This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. On the episode today, we're going back to the archives, back to February 8th, 2018, to episode 64, Evan Carmichael. He's the author of Built to Serve. He has over 2.6 million YouTube subscribers, and he's a Forbes Top 40 social marketer. It was a great interview back in 2018. It's a great interview to hear again on the show, back to the archives on the Mark Stuchowski Podcast with Evan Carmichael. Evan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm excited to be here, Mark. Let's do it. <laughs> well, let's set the, the whole podcast interview in context. Tell my audience who you are and what you do. Sure. I think I'm best known as a YouTuber and an author. I have a channel off my name, Evan Carmichael, where I make three videos a day profiling different famous entrepreneurs and what you can learn from their advice and success. Uh, we just recently crossed a million subscribers. So if you have entrepreneurs in the room who are listening in, uh, they may be familiar with some of my work. I've uh, written two books, Your One Words, about finding the most important core value, and then uh, The Top 10 Rules of Success, which is based off of my YouTube channel. And had a background growing up as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial tendencies, had my first business when I was in university, built it, sold it, became a venture capitalist, and then started doing this to give back and help entrepreneurs. Wow. That, that's, that's a lot. But uh, this, I want my audience to understand that you're just no Joe Schmo standing on the street corner. You got a lot of uh, wisdom that you're going to drop on us in just a few minutes. So let's talk about books, because I got a feeling you're a, you're a reader. So share with us one to three books that maybe in greatly influenced your life so i'm not the biggest reader i used to be more of a reader than i am now i like video content a lot more than than a, a book but in terms of the books that really changed my life uh the four-hour work week tim ferris i know you're a fan uh that book really changed my perspective not about working four hours a week because tim doesn't work four hours a week <laughs> but just the idea of delegating and time management and prioritizing really made a huge impact on me. And another one that I really liked was called Radicals and Visionaries. And it's out of print. People may be able to find it on eBay or where it basically did what my YouTube channel does right now is it, it had an entrepreneurial story, three to four pages of a different entrepreneur who had made it and what their strategies were. And I would read one of those stories, three to four pages again every day, just to get myself some motivation, some ideas to help me build a business because entrepreneurship is a lonely game and takes a lot of motivation to uh, stay on track. So I think those two books really had an impact early on in my life. Now, I will confess to my audience that when I first heard the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, a long time ago, years ago when it came out, I thought what most people thought, wow, four hours a week? How incredible. But you realize that it's not really, like you said, four hours a week. But it definitely pulls you in with the title, and it's all about you know structuring your life so you get maximum efficiency. So... Don't go pick up the book thinking that you're going to work four hours a week the rest of your life. That's not going to happen, as we know. <laughs> so um, let's talk about failure. Um, I don't like talking about failure, although we can grow from failure. I want to know how has failure or apparent failure in being productive set you up for later success? Do you maybe have a favorite failure of yours you could share with us? So I think failure is super important to talk about because I don't think enough people do. And I think people have unrealistic expectations when they're launching their business. 
in in my first company, I was 19 years old. I was struggling, and I thought it was going to be way easier than it actually turned out to be. And I was too embarrassed and ashamed to ask for help and to tell my friends because I was living the entrepreneur lifestyle, and I was the one who turned down the job offers to go do this thing. And you know, I was supposed to have life made. Meanwhile, I was struggling and making 300 bucks a month. And I think it was just that stigma that. They would see me as a failure, and I thought it would be a lot easier than it than it was. And so, I think it's really important to have that conversation. I wish more people were around that time. So, thank you for uh, for being a voice. I think people just need to adjust the perspective of failure. I think by studying and modeling the success of all these people that I profiled. In my own story, you realize that you really do fail your way to success. That the people who've had the most success also have the most failures. Failure is really only failure if you let it be final, if you don't learn anything from it and then you take your shot once and it doesn't work out and you think, okay, well, now I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. Like the most successful people also have the most failures and it's just a feedback mechanism, a feedback mechanism to know that this is one way how it's not going to work out. And when you wrap your head around that and you just get back on the horse and do it again and find another way to stand, then eventually you figure things out and you win. And just having that perspective that this is only failure if I quit, then I find that to be really healthy and helpful. Yeah, and I agree. And nobody is a failure. You may have failed at an endeavor, but you are not a failure. And I think a lot of people, they try whatever, X, Y, or Z, whatever, and they fail. They think of themselves as a failure. And what you're saying is that you're not the failure. You just, what you did didn't work out. So you pick yourself up and you get going to doing something else. Am I hearing you correctly? A hundred percent. And it also may be other people in your life telling you're a failure. Mm. Like your business doesn't work out. And so your parents think you're a failure and your friends think you're a failure and your community thinks you're a failure. That could be really tough if you don't have a supportive environment to help you. But you're absolutely right. It doesn't mean that you personally are a failure. It just means one thing that you tried didn't work out. And just like any skill that you're trying to learn, you're trying to learn how to skateboard or to ski or pick up French or learn how to cook. Like whatever it is you're trying to learn, you are going to fail. You don't just get up on the hill and be awesome as you ski down it. You're <laughs> going to fall a thousand times. And so just expect it not to work. Expect it to fail. Uh, look at your podcast. You have all these listeners and people who really care about you. I bet if you go back and listen to the first episode, it's it pales in comparison to what you're able to do now. You know, it's a, it's a constant growth path. And so people expect to be great out of the gate. And if you just alter those expectations to expect to suck and still we're going to go off and do something great eventually, if I keep at it, then I think that's a much healthier mindset. I agree. And I, I actually titled my first podcast, the worst podcast I've ever done because it was my first <laughs> podcast and I'm only going to get better. And you're right. I mean, I go back and listen to that first one. I'm like, oh my goodness. Uh, but, uh, uh, but you're right. We need to learn from our failure. So I have a question for you because one of the things I believe is I don't care how productive you are. Everybody has at least one weakness when it comes to getting things done. Now, for me, it's bright, shiny objects. I like to check out the new apps or whatever. What is Evan's biggest weakness when it comes to getting things done? And the second part of that question is, is how do you overcome this? I think the biggest weakness for me is, is not having uh, people in my life who push me to do more. 
Uh, I'm fortunate in my life that that I've surrounded myself with people and family and friends who who are supportive of me and think I'm doing great work and not saying, Evan, you suck. What are you doing? This is terrible. Uh, but there's nobody saying, Evan, you could be doing a lot more. Like, Evan, you're just you're just getting started. What you've done is okay, but you could be doing way, way, way more. Mm. I don't have that person or people in my life. And so my adjustment around that has been my videos has been consuming content and promoting it from Steve Jobs and Elon Musk and Oprah Winfrey. And these people, the more time I spend around them virtually by watching their videos and reading their books, it seeps into me to push me more because it's easy for me to coast. It's easy for me to just keep going as I am. It's fulfilling. I get great comments. Everybody says what a great job I'm doing. Nobody's there kicking my butt to say I could be doing better. And so that's where I turn to being around guys like Jobs and Musk and Oprah Winfrey to help push me harder. Hey there, it's Mark. And I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Now, you, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Charlie Tremendous Jones. Oh, that's a blast in the past. Not, <laughs> not, not many people know Charlie Tremendous Jones, so that's impressive. Well, share with us his famous quote. What, is, what does he say? What, he used oh. to, he's passed away. I mean, he would, always say tre- he would always say tremendous, but I don't remember the entire context. He, he, he would say, in five years, you'll be the same person you are today, except for the books you read and the people you meet. Right. And it's really important. Who do you hang around? I mean, are you hanging around people who say you suck? Uh, you may need new friends. Or and if, if your family's saying that, maybe you need to spend less time with them. But you're exactly right, Evan. Who you hang around means it, it can affect your, your success in life, not just productivity, but in life. Because if they're nothing but putting you down, I'm reading uh, Jeffrey Gittimer's book, uh, The Yes Attitude. Yep. Uh, you know, we're, we are so into negativity and so into no, and I can't do this and all this negative talk. We really need to have a reality check and realize that there's so much good in this world, but we focus on the negative. And I'm really making a concerted effort, especially in the 2018, to be a more positive yes person because there is a lot of good in this world but if you watch the news it's all we're all gonna die we're all doomed and everything's going to you know we're in the handbasket and it's not true yeah and i would expand charlie's quote to also include not just the books you read but the videos you watch and the podcast you listen to 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 adapt it to a 2018 reality because i think if somebody is on the fence of whether they should get up and be bold today or take some action or let life overrun them again, just turning on your podcast and hearing you and your energy and your enthusiasm for what you do and listening to a great guest coming on board. Like if listening to Mark is the thing that gets you fired up and energized, ready to tackle your dream, then put that as part of your morning routine. Like how many episodes of this have you done, Mark? Uh, this will be episode, I think, 63. 63 episodes. That's a ton of content. You can listen to Mark every day if that's a thing in your morning to get you feeling bold and fired up and positive because I think everybody knows what the thing is that gets them feeling bold and unstoppable. We've all had those trigger moments, but we don't consciously put that as part of our morning routine. Mm -hmm. And so if we did, if you woke up and you did the thing that made you feel bold and unstoppable, if you did that every day for the next year, forget about five years with Charlie, the next year, your life will be unrecognizable one year from today. 
I, I agree. And everyone's got a morning routine. It's just some people, it's coffee and email. I would argue that that's not a good morning routine. Um, one of the things I learned from Tony Robbins a number of years ago is when you wake up, make your bed. And when he first said that, I think it was in Awaken the Giant Within, I said, what does that have to do with it? But then he explained, because within 60 seconds, you've already accomplished something of the day. So you're already starting the day on the right foot because you, yeah, you just made your bed, but you've done something already. And it's small, but sometimes you need to start small to build that momentum. Yeah, I'd, I'd back it up a step even further. What do most people do when they set the alarm in the morning? They hit the snooze button. Yep. <laughs> right? So so that's not great. Like physically, it's not great. There's a whole bunch of science to back that up that those extra seven minutes or 14 minutes or 21 minutes you know, don't actually help you. But psychologically, think about what you're doing. You set an intention. You set a goal the night before that I'm going to wake up at 7.30 in the morning or whatever time. And then the very first act that you do is say – I'm not going to hit my goal today. Like that's how you start your day. That's how most people start their day every day. They wake up and they tell themselves, I'm not going to hit that goal. And so making the bed is super important. I'd back it up and say, just get out of bed when it goes off. <laughs> yeah. Right. Instead of hitting the snooze button. And if you do that consistently, then, then now you set the trend of I'm the kind of person who sets goals and I follow through on my goals instead of it's okay to set a goal and not do it. Absolutely. Well, I know from following you on social media that you have a lot of strengths, but what would you say your biggest strength is when it comes to getting things done? That's the first part of the question. The second part is, how did you develop this strength? Was it, did it come about naturally? Did you maybe go to a seminar? How did you develop it? My biggest strength in terms of getting things done, I think, is I have an ability to really focus when I want to. Uh, if I have a clear vision of what I want to accomplish, then I can shut everything else out and just focus on making that thing happen. Combined with, I think, the belief that I can. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in the one-man army philosophy in that I love getting support and help on a project. I'm trying to build this big thing up and I would love for everybody to come and help me. But if nobody's there, if nobody's coming to help me, nobody believes in my vision, I'm still going to do it myself. I will be an army of one and will it into existence. And so I think just that mindset and, and then the ability to focus on it really helps me get stuff done in a super productive way. How did I learn that? I think I didn't used to be that person. I used to pride myself on being the guy who would respond to everybody else really quickly. Uh, I had... I had severe lack of focus. Uh, I would be the guy who, when an email came in, the little buzzer would go off and I would respond. I thought that was good, <laughs> good service, right? Like email comes in and boom, like within two minutes, you're getting a response. And I felt good about that. And, and what made me feel even better was people would write back to say, wow, you're really fast at your email. That's so impressive. And so that, that created the loop where I wanted to keep doing it over and over again. And then I realized, and this I think is also the time where for our work week kind of came into play. I was realizing that, you know what, I'm doing all these little micro projects that other people care about, but I'm not building anything for myself. I can never focus enough time on a big project because I'm constantly getting interrupted and distracted by these other activities. And so I stopped email. Uh, I stopped. I stopped. I don't have a phone number. Like, you can't reach me. I have no cell phone number. I have no landline number. There's no possible way to reach me. All I, I tried to eliminate basically other people's agenda for my time. And set priorities. And once I did that, then it allowed me to really focus and go all in. That is so important because I, I tell my clients and my audiences, everybody has 24 hours in a day. And you get to choose 
how you spend your time. And I love when I talk to audiences and I say, you know, you don't have to go to work tomorrow. And they're like, what? I'm like, you choose to go to work because you like to have a house and a car and food to eat. But no one's putting a gun in your head to make you go to work. So what's my point? Choose how you spend your time wisely. Like you cut off email. You don't have a phone number because you want control of your time. We all have a choice. Now, you can do what other people want you to do. That's fine. If that's what you want to do, fine. But don't complain when you're not achieving your goals because it's your time. Spend your time the way you want to spend your time. 100%. Uh, I got asked a question earlier today on my on my channel around how many hours do you sleep? And they're trying to cut back on their sleep to be more productive. And it's like, like I, I sleep seven and a half to eight hours a night. I, I get decent sleep. But it's not about cutting back half an hour or an hour out of your sleep to be more productive. Like I'm working in the other 16 hours. I would throw four hours of my day up against your eight hours and and (laughs) let's see the results. Right. And so a lot of people default to, I need to sleep less to get, to make my dreams happen. Like, well, before you cut into your sleep, how about you audit the 16 to 17 (laughs) hours that you are awake and see, are you actually being hyper productive? Because losing out on a lot of sleep is not going to increase your productivity. I agree. And one of the things I I challenge my clients is something called time tracking. And time tracking seems like, oh, it's a, a wimpy exercise. But if you're really honest with it and really write down how you're really spending your time, you will be shocked at how much time you're really wasting. I think because we don't write it down, we fool ourselves in our brain going, oh, I'm working hard. But if you wrote it down what you're working on, you'd find out, oh, I spent four hours watching cat videos on YouTube. But you justify it in your head that it was just a, quote, break. And I think we need to know the truth because the truth will set you free. But if you're just playing games and lying to yourself, it doesn't matter what you do, sleep less or whatever, you're not going to be more productive because you're lying to yourself. 100%. And uh, there's so many little mini distractions that pop up during the day. And that if you could just get 90 minute chunks to be focused and get to work on a project, you'd be amazed how much you could actually get done. Absolutely. So I have a non productivity question for you, Evan. Um, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? I love jumping on my mini trampoline while I work. I'm, I'm on my <laughs> trampoline right now. Uh, I've been using a stand up desk for probably just over a decade or so. Uh, That really helped save my knees and my back. For whatever reason, in my 20s, I had terrible back and knee problems, probably because I had terrible posture sitting at a desk. And so I moved to a stand-up desk and now moved to uh, having a little rebound there. So I'm on a trampoline all day long. And it's it's awesome. So you're actually bouncing up and down while you're doing this interview? Uh, I'm doing little micro bounces because if I actually do big bounces, you'll hear it. And and I want some quality audio for your listeners, but, but yeah, yeah, in general, like it's constant motion, constant movement. I'll do around uh, 20 to 30,000 bounces a day on my trampoline. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. Uh, let's talk about the last five years. What new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your productivity? I think it's constantly... So my one word is believe. My most important core value is, is believe. And I think it's funny looking at how much more I can believe in myself and the projects that I'm working on and how that filters down into everything else that I'm working on. And so I think I have a limited view of what I believe I can do, even still now today of of what I can accomplish. uh, And that's what I need to 
consistently break through just that belief in myself. Like what's the advice I would give my 20 year old self? Believe more, believe harder, believe you can. Like these limits that you are throwing on yourself don't exist. They're not real. They're in your head. And, and that's hard to break out of. Uh, but every major growth that I've seen in my business and in my life has just come from my shaking off that notion that I couldn't do it and just going for it. And uh, more often than not, it works out. So still, that's that's what it's been for the past five years. And it's still my biggest limiting belief going forward. Excellent. I want you to imagine that I gave you access to a gigantic billboard that you can place anywhere in the world with anything on it. And you had access to millions and billions of people that would see it. What would your billboard say and why? I would put it in Houston, Texas and say, snow, go away. (laughs) Uh, Before our podcast started today, uh, um, Evan's in Toronto, Canada, and I was complaining how it's 41 here in Houston. And he goes, 41? It's five degrees up here in Toronto. And so it's all relative. But I don't like the cold. So we were talking about that before the interview is. But I appreciate that. Everybody likes to get geeks out. Oh, I get to wear my sweater. No. This is the South. We're not supposed to wear sweaters. We're supposed to be wearing shorts. <laughs> but I appreciate the billboard. I, I, I would probably, so real answer, I would probably, depends how I'm feeling. Uh, the first instinct that comes to me is I'll put it in one of the the up-and-coming neighborhoods in whatever the biggest city was. I might pick my own Toronto because I love Canada. And uh, I would I would just make it say, stop making excuses. Mm. Wow. That's powerful. Stop making excuses. I think that is that is a cancer in people's uh, journey to success is making excuses. Uh, you agree? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think people blame themselves enough or take enough accountability for where they're at. It's always somebody else's fault. Yep. Right. It's Trump's fault. It's the dollar's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's the school's <laughs> fault. Right. Like there's always somebody to blame. And that's great. It's a great release. Right. To think like, hey, we could blame the president and that's why we're not more successful. Right. That's awesome. Uh, but it also prevents you from taking any kind of action. Yep. Where if you take accountability and say, no, I'm here because of me. And a lot of people look at any of these people you look up to. Chances are they started with less than what you already have right now. Mm-hmm. You look at someone like Oprah Winfrey who grew up poor and was raped by her family members and had to go to school in potato sacks like her grandmother sewed together potato sacks because they couldn't afford to buy her dresses like chances are whatever environment you're coming from is better than that and she became oprah and so you can too as long as you accept responsibility for where you're at and say also i'm gonna accept responsibility for me getting out of here and changing my life i agree i agree 100 percent. i get really mad when people look at the rich people of the world like mark zuckerberg and oh he's the sixth richest man in the world i'm like he doesn't work 40 hours a week you know how long he worked on Facebook to make it what it is? And people, they want the money, but they don't want to put in the hours and hours of no excuse making work. And that's how they got to be. That's how Warren Buffett got to be where he is or Steve, the late Steve Jobs or whoever. You didn't get to be successful. Oprah didn't sit around going, oh, what was me? You know, I guess I'm just not going to make anything out of my life. She she said, I'm not going to take that as an answer. And I And it goes back to what you said about no excuses. You know, what do you want to do with your life? I don't care if you're 20 or 90. You're not dead. You can still do something. 100%. And and that's the history of every successful person ever. You know, if you take out, if you want to look at the Forbes richest people in the world and you take out inherited wealth, they're entrepreneurs who made something for themselves. And they went off and they had, again, less than what a lot of your listeners already have at their disposal right now. 
And they turned it into something amazing because they believed that they could. Uh, so the minute you stop blaming your parents and you start taking some action, that's when life starts to change. And um, I'm a big fan, a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. And he says, you know, in his 20s, he never went to parties, never did fun or anything. And where everybody else is going out and partying every weekend. And now they're wondering how come he makes so much money? Well, he chose to work hard in his 20s and 30s. And now he's very successful. It goes back to what I said earlier. You get to choose how you spend your time. If you want to go to parties every weekend, if you want to play video games every weekend, mazel tov. That's a choice you make. But don't complain that someone else is more successful than you. Yeah, and I think, too, even auditing what you're doing in your personal life. You know, I have a wife. I have a son. Uh, I don't know what the status is of all your listeners. But I would say that even that one hour or two hours or three hours you're spending with, with your significant other, how quality is that? Like, are you actually spending deep, meaningful time together or are you just on your phones or watching Netflix and not fully engaged in the moment? Right. So for for everybody complaining that they don't have enough time to spend with their family and loved ones. Well, are you look at the time again, audit the time you actually are spending with them. Is that real meaningful time? Because I bet if you spent one hour uh, a night really deeply connecting with your significant other instead of the three or four you're spending now watching Netflix, you'll have a much uh, more balanced perspective on your significant other and feel a lot healthier. And you just save three hours to go do something else too. Absolutely. A a few minutes ago, you alluded to what you tell a younger self. That's actually one of the questions I was going to ask you. So you kind of foreshadowed it. Um, If you could go back in time and talk to an Evan, let's say elementary school age, right when you're beginning to transform your life. Uh, two questions here. First of all, what advice would you give yourself? And second, what advice did maybe someone give you back at that age that you would tell yourself, listen, when someone tells you this, just ignore it. It's bad advice. So two questions. Nice. Well, I, you know what? It's actually the same answer for both. Okay. Uh, my advice going back would say to believe in myself more. And that I'm, if I'm looking at that age, I'm just about to get into selling baseball cards and go on my little hobby businesses. And I would always think, well, I'm, I'm too young to do this. You know, I'm, I'm eight years old or 10 years old or 12 years old and selling to people who are in their 40s and 50s. And that's how I learned how to negotiate over five and 10 cent baseball cards with 50 year olds when I'm when I'm 11. Uh, but it was always that fear holding me back to say, well, I'm too young. I can't do this. Ah. Uh, and, and if I look back on it, it's actually an advantage. Like if I'm 11 years old selling baseball cards, I think that's an advantage. I think people would, would cut me slack a lot more than if I'm sure. 45 years old. Right. And so taking what you perceive as your biggest weakness and turning that into your strength is something that I didn't think of at the time, but the ability to believe in yourself more. And that advice also came from my parents. Uh, my parents, you know, I never got the, I have two sisters and I never got the grades that they got. And so every year I'd have to have that talk. We went to my parents' bedroom and sat down and had to talk about my report card. <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't failing. I had B's and C's, but you know, my, my family had a high standard for education and they would always tell me you're Evan Castrilli Carmichael and you can do anything that you want. That's how the conversation would always end. My mother's last name is Castrilli. It's my, my middle name. So you're Evan Castrilli Carmichael. You could do anything that you want. And that advice stuck with me. And in my office is a huge poster canvas of my parents and me uh, when I'm eight years old, uh, around the age that my son is at right now. And that really served me. And 
uh, I may have caused a bit of a rebellious streak. So if a teacher said, well, you need to do this, Evan, like, well, I'm, I'm Evan Castrilli Carmichael and I can do anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't always serve you, but, uh, you know, it served me for the most part, I think, in a positive direction. And my son now being uh, uh, nine years old, I'm, I'm trying to pass that on to him, too to say he's Hayden Carmichael. He can do anything that he wants. Well, I remember growing up, my mother used to tell me, you can do anything you put your mind to. And I believed her until I realized, no, I could never be like a horse jockey. I could never be like a basketball player. So what your mother told you was a little different than what my mother said. She said, you could do anything you put your mind to. And I believe there's certain things that we are designed to do. Like, I'm a speaker, podcaster, but if you ask me to go weave a basket, I don't care how much I put my mind to it. I may eventually figure out how to do it, but I will not be as good as someone who naturally could do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think natural ability is an interesting thing. I think there are there are some things that we are naturally just great at, and that means you don't have to work as hard. But often the most talented people are not the people who win. Uh, it's, it's not just a, a function of talent. It's a function of how hard you work. And uh, I think you'll see the the people who win, yes, they have some talent, but they work extremely, extremely hard to get to where they're at. Uh, the world is is littered with people who even had had obscure talent or no talent and still ended up winning. Um, you look into exceptions. You go to basketball. Muggsy Bogues was five foot three or something, yeah. and he made it to the NBA. Uh, people say you have to have a great voice to be a singer. Well, what about Bob Dylan? Did he have a great voice? Did, <laughs> did Willie Nelson have a great voice? You know, True. does Eminem have a great voice? It's <laughs> like you find your own path, right? Like the whole rap uh, industry evolved where people are not singing anymore. They found a new way of singing where the traditional metrics don't matter anymore. It's harder in defined roles. Like in basketball, it's a lot harder because it's defined rules on how to win. And so if you are, if you're tall and big, you have a better chance of, of winning because there are defined rules. But as soon as you escape that, you go to entrepreneurship, there are almost no rules. Right. So you could win at anything. And it, and it, it, it's best as a combination of what you are great at and what you love doing. But I would say that the, the passion, and the love trumps the natural talent, because if you are willing to go all in on developing a skill, you can get really, really good at something, even if you had no natural ability at the start. I agree with that. Thank you for uh, convincing me that I was uh, maybe misunderstanding my mother. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll pass. <laughs> I'll pass that along to her, though she still doesn't know what I do for a living. Um, when I mean, when you feel overwhelmed with everything you have to do, or maybe when you have a moment where you are unfocused, what do you do? So I try to pay attention to the micro moments of overwhelm, so it doesn't become a macro. Uh, I very rarely get flustered or overstressed or just going crazy because the world is exploding on me and I took on too much. I, I pay attention to micro moments. And when I find those happening consistently, then I adjust my schedule. And so I'm, I'm a big believer that your schedule has to map to your ambitions and what you're trying to accomplish in life. And if I ever feel overwhelmed, it's because I don't have enough time typically to go do the thing that I want to do, whether it's be with my wife, whether it's work on projects, be with my son, whatever it is. And so when I'm feeling those moments of overwhelm, I need to adjust my schedule. And then I know that it'll work out. I know that by adjusting my schedule, that things will eventually take care of themselves. Um, I don't meditate. I don't 
have to do breathing exercises or do anything to calm myself down, mostly because those massive situations, I've eliminated them from happening. Eliminating from happening, that, that's pretty powerful right there. So you're being proactive is what you're saying. Yeah, being proactive, paying attention to the, the micro moments. And again, like when something, if something big happens, you know, nobody, my parents haven't passed away or had serious illnesses or anything like that. But if that happened and, and then suddenly I had to spend three quarters of my day at the hospital, as an example, everything else is just is little stuff, right? So, so what about my YouTube channel? I'll make a video to say, hey, guys, I'm in the hospital with my mom. I can't make videos. Right. You know, there that's a million subscribers. That's they're used to three videos a day and now they're going to get nothing. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really I'm not stressing out about it because I'm concerned about my mom. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I shared with this before on my podcast. and It's new to you. Uh, back in October, my wife fell and broke our, broke her arm at home. Well, the productivity specialist that I am immediately had to take care of her. I mean, nothing else mattered at that point because my wife had hurt herself and life happens. I mean, I don't care how much you plan your day, something may happen and it could be something with your health or your family's health or whatever. And you just have to, you can get angry and scream and punch the wall, or you can say, Hey, you know, I got to deal with whatever life dealt with me because this is what's in front of me right now. Yeah. And you know, you know what else I think really helps, um, just in, in listening to you talk is I have the mindset that this is just a warm up. That whatever problem I'm facing right now, this is the warm up. You know, if I'm working out and I'm at my max and, and I'm about to give out, like I can't go anymore on this bike, this is just a warm up. And so the minute you say that this is hard or this is too crazy or I'm overwhelmed, then you've reached your max and that means you can't, you're not capable of more. And I feel like I should be capable of solving bigger problems than the ones that are in front of me right now. So this is just a warm up. Very interesting you said that because when you were saying those words, I immediately thought about my biggest fear of giving up because I'm still, unlike you, I'm still growing my business and my brand, but I, I'm sure you're familiar with Think and Grow Rich. And in there, there's a story about stopping three feet from gold. And I'm not going to get into the story now. Go read the book. It's a book you need to read. Um, but I do not want to like quit today. And then next week, I would have landed a multi-million dollar client. And that's what keeps me driving because, like you said, your breakthrough usually happens right at the point where you're just about ready to give up. And most people give up. If they just keep on going, who knows what's going to happen? But if you give up, you know it's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I, in, in studying success and, in, again, my own journey, you you want to do it to do it. Like you do, I make videos because I want to make videos. Mm. And if you if you get great at something, and you provide enough value, you'll make the returns. You'll find the gold. But the quest isn't for the gold. The quest is the process. Yes. Right. And if you look at the people you name, Mark Zuckerberg and Oprah Winfrey and Steve Jobs and all these people, Warren Buffett, they're not doing it just to try to make a boatload of cash. They're doing it because they're on a mission. Mm-hmm. And so entrepreneurship is so hard. It's so insanely hard that you, you have to be a little bit crazy to do it <laughs> yep. because otherwise you you should just give up. It's just it is it's crazy. You're going to feel so low on your self-esteem and so alone. And it's just it's such a crazy battle to try to fight that the only thing that keeps you going is the love for the work. Mm. And if I look at my journey, 
this path of being a, a YouTuber now, I never, I never uh, went out to try to be a YouTuber. It wasn't even a thing when I started doing this. <laughs> I just really wanted to help entrepreneurs not have to struggle the same way I struggled in my business when I was getting started. And it's it's evolved and it's grown and it's, it's been an amazing journey. But there's also, you know, I take the approach of um, there is no gold. Like I'm not chasing gold, right? Like I hit a million subscribers. As soon as I knew I was going to hit a million subscribers, and that, then my interest for the goal went away. Because we're, if we're constantly chasing goals, then once you hit your goal, you're, you're sad, you're depressed. Mm-hmm. And more important than hitting the goal is enjoying the dig. Like, yes. More important than reaching the goal. The gold is enjoying the dig to get the gold. Yes. You know, when you were saying that, uh, Evan, a thought popped in my head. Um, and Mount Everest is the tallest point on this planet of ours. And now they have apparently helicopters that will actually take you to the top. Now, for me, I would never take that helicopter ride at the top because to me, it's like, okay, I didn't earn anything. I didn't earn the right to stand on the summit of Mount Everest. But if I took that six months and worked my way up the mountain, then it means something. And I think that's what you're saying about the gold, unless I'm misunderstanding you. It's the journey. It's the dig. It's the, the grind. Then when you achieve that goal, it means more to you than someone just gave you the money or wherever the goal is. Yeah, I think it means more. I mean, nobody wants to race against three-year-olds. What's the point? <laughs> right? Like, you could post your slow – you could crawl and still win. Like, who who cares? Um and and there is tremendous value in having goals and it can push you. But I see the goals as more as the the dark side that can still give you that little bit of a push where the 80% should be the, the good side, the light side, the mission, the what you're doing. Mm. So that even if you never – like even if you never hit your goals, you would keep doing it. Even if I never made myself into a brand and did what I did, I would still be trying to help entrepreneurs because it fills the soul. And the goals can help you push a little bit further, but at least from my perspective, it's not the point. The, the goals add more clarity. The goals can, can make you more productive. The goals can focus your energy in the right direction, but you ultimately have to enjoy the work that you're doing to accomplish that goal. If it's just, I'm going to do anything possible to go and achieve that goal, well, you won't. Like If you don't enjoy, not every day, every single moment, but if net-net, you don't enjoy the work that you're doing, if you don't enjoy interviewing people, for a podcast, don't do a podcast. Right. <laughs> like you're never gonna you're never gonna win. It's, if you're not enjoying researching questions and finding guests and bringing on interesting people and interacting with the audience, like if you don't enjoy that, like it doesn't fill you up, then then just go do something else because you'll have a lot more success doing the thing that you love as opposed to trying to do something that you hate just because you see there's an opportunity. I agree 100%. Uh, Evan, give us a peek inside your productivity toolbox. Are there apps or software, equipment, or what is in your productivity toolbox that you go to to get things done? Uh, super boring, man. Email, <laughs> calendar. Like I think people get locked into the tools too much. Right. Um, I, use a, I use an app um, every day called Fabulous that just reminds me of the my my. Uh, habits and routines that I want to try to keep to in terms of like drinking a glass of water and that kind of stuff, things that I might normally forget to do in terms of building a new habit. But work-wise, I use email for most things, Facebook for my friends and and, uh, colleagues. Uh, Everything is in my calendar. I live by my calendar. But the, you know, I use Gmail, I'm sorry, Google is my calendar. Whether you use Outlook or Google or you have a, a notepad or whatever, it's really just deciding that you're going to be productive Yes. And then 
you figure everything else out. Where I think a lot of people try to, they, a lot of people think the tools are going to save them. Yes. Right. Like when I get Evernote, guys. When I get Evernote, <laughs> then I'm going to be productive. That's the key, right? Or forget Evernote. It's all about Trello or whatever, right? <laughs> it's like, and it's fine. You need tools. Listen, like we're talking here over the internet, over the, over tools, right? We're using Skype to make this thing happen. It's beautiful and amazing. We need the tools. Uh, but I think people put too much stock in the tools and think that's going to save them, where it's really your decision to start getting productive, and then you figure out the how. Thank you so much for saying that, because one of the questions I do not like to answer when people say, what app do you use for dot, dot, dot? And I'm like, you're asking the wrong question. It's not the app. And it's not what phone you have. It's not what computer you have. And I thank you so much for saying that because I've been trying to preach that for years. And people are thinking (laughs) it's a magical. What's the perfect calendar app? There is no perfect calendar app. Right. So now you need need to adjust your questions with your guests now. Stop asking that question. (laughs) Very boy. Point taken. <laughs> Point taken. Well, I tell you, I'm, I'm getting a lesson here, folks. Uh, Evan, where can we find you online? Uh, I, my YouTube channel, I think, is where most people would know me from. If you just type Evan Carmichael, I'm there. If people want to connect kind of one-on-one and get a personal reply, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Snapchat, I'm more face-to-face making quick videos for people. So any of those places. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.